0: Welcome back to our discussion with Eric Bowen of ABK Video. This is part two where we're talking about migrating from a Mac to a PC to help Mac users wrap their minds around the various hardware options they have when building out a PC. And in this episode, we are getting specific. I mean, we're going to be comparing dual Xeons to i7s. We're going to talk about clock speed versus cores, GeForce versus Quadro GPUs, and how the codecs you're working with affect all of these decisions. So sit back, enjoy our dulcet tones, and on the back end of this podcast, I'm going to let you know how you can ask Eric your questions and get those answers. Notice on the adkvideoediting.com website that as I try to configure a machine you've got some kind of starting options and you break it down it's like this is a great one for premiere pro this is a great one for davinci resolve from your standpoint and your perspective what's the difference between the two apps as you configure a machine? What are the concerns that might change your decision making?
1: Well, actually, it's pretty significant. And we'll start with this for, for both of them. The first thing you have to look at is the media that you're going to use with the applications, because believe that it or was not. the
0: first question you asked me when I called you. Mm-hmm,
1: what yep. media are you using? And the reason is, is, is actually very important uh, that most people don't realize is there are different performance capability of hardware based on the media that you're using. Due to the fact some media does not thread as well as other media, that has to do with what's called data prediction, uh, and especially this is predominant in what's called the long GOP codecs that you know obviously yep. most media people are, are familiar with. What that means is not every frame of video or data is a complete frame you have a bunch of right. partial frames so the you know the the codec is in the player is predicting data that's coming on the partial frames from the full frame and the changes between all those right and it's a lot of processing and rethreading and data that has to hold in cache and then pulled into memory and stored in memory that has to be referenced constantly and that entire process the more complex it is the more limited the threading capability can be. So your performance diminishes, which is why so many people experience performance drops with H.264, especially in the 4K world. Anybody trying to do yeah. you know 4K and H.264 is probably beating their system, wanting to know why. <laughs> why won't you play, oh. you know? It, and it's one of those things where it's it's the limitation of the Kodak with the media. Uh, XAVC is the new flavor you know the evolution of uh H264 which is now H265 basically yeah, yeah XAVC is the equivalent of that evolution H265 but it still has a lot of the same you know requirements due to when you use the partial frame you know flavors of XAVC you have a lot of referencing which slows down the whole processing which limits your real time playback capability and what hardware Uh, is going to be best for it because basically the more cores and threads you have doesn't so much help you with those codecs. Then on the other end of the spectrum you have RED, uh, which uh, not only does RED thread very well that both Adobe and uh, DaVinci Resolve have included the debayer aspect and the GPU acceleration which is a massive load on the processor red doesn't have a an extremely complex and compressed format of data when you take out the actual debayer element right uh so it actually significantly lightens the processing load which is why the red rocket cards were so important for ages that people use them it's yeah. because the processors couldn't handle that and the gpu acceleration wasn't there yet to offload all that data that the red rocket handles well with the gpu accelerated to bearing it can and then with that the more cores and threads you have the better but then you also want clock speed because once again clock speed massively improves gpu acceleration performance right so you have that codec that really can take advantage of the hardware that you can give it providing you pick once again the right hardware for it uh then you have you know your raw base sequence of still formats cinema dng is, is the new flavor of the month uh well not really the month it's you know been several years at this point yeah. but it, it's you know the raw base flavor everybody uses and that actually processes better than any of them and it has the lowest load it just unfortunately has the highest drive requirement as far as throughput for the drive so you start looking at ssds at that point right Uh, so with cinema dng you don't necessarily need a tremendous processor or you can give it a dual xeon and it will just you know cut through dng like no tomorrow uh and there won't be you know any playback drawbacks for a significant amount of you know, effects and stuff that you put on it. So all those cores and threads that you have, if you had a Dual Xeon, for example, would play Cinema DNG perfectly well. So right off the bat, your media decides your hardware. Then on top of that, the software itself, like DaVinci Resolve and Premiere, their players, due to optimizations and encoding and differences in the, you know, the actual uh, Kodak algorithms that they may use, and more importantly, the memory management of their player, will also significantly affect the performance of your playback based on which application you're using uh, so for example i can actually with adobe's player in their gpu acceleration i can use their software on a much on a lower end system and still get decent playback um, with the adobe software on i can't add quite nearly as many effects uh, or, you know, essentially alterations to the timeline with the Adobe software and get, you know, a seamless playback as I can with DaVinci. With DaVinci Resolve, I can get as good a playback as I can put hardware behind it unless the Kodak or FX limit it. And that's the final thing is the effects that you use, some of them may be GPU accelerated, some may not. The ones that are not, you know, obviously that data has to get processed by the processor. So that's going to take a significant load on the system. It's going to shorten the amount of, you know, changes you can put on the timeline at any point in time before the system has to render before you can play it back without dropping frames. You know, basically the complexity of the timeline uh, is more limited um, on the hardware, you know, based on the hardware that you have. So, you know, with DaVinci Resolve, if I have the right hardware and The FX itself doesn't limit the threading, or is you know the it's uh, not a GPU accelerated effect. It's just a heavy CPU processing effect. Uh, I can get a tremendous amount more on the timeline and play it back real time with DaVinci Resolve. So you're going to get a better investment of your hardware. I guess is the long and short of it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: And it's funny because I just figure it's just software, right? (laughs) And I'll just buy, you know, whatever is like up on, you know, the the IBM's, HP's website and uh, go with it. You know, I I never really thought that I'd want to fine tune some of the cards I'm using, uh, the hardware I'm using to kind of meet and match the kind of work I'm doing, the kind of clients I have.
1: Well, you really do, especially with Resolve, because Resolve has a capability that... Really, none of the other NLE editors have right now, and that is the ability to control the cache file type that you're using for playback. Uh,
0: it's brilliant, isn't it? It is, and yeah. it
1: it so changes so much. I mean, it yeah. gives you so much control over everything that you're doing, uh, dealing with as far as media goes, uh, especially the performance of that media. You know, say for example, I've got uh, XAVC media in there that Resolve doesn't handle very well. Um, because it doesn't thread nearly as well and i need to you know make the playback much better i can switch that to you know a much more uncompressed dxr or you know you know avc entra or you know dnxhr dnxhr being you know one of the best ones to Change it to for that kind of a situation, and get a seamless playback. And everything is smooth as silk, and in the processing load is significantly lower per effect. That's one big thing that, as well. I forgot to mention uh, that a lot of people don't realize when they're editing, the the more complex the codec processing that you have. In other words, you know, you're you're the the, the more the greater complexity to the codec, the greater the compression is, is another way to describe it of the codec. Uh, the more processing load each effect requires. Right. Okay. So when you have a much greater, you know, much more complex codec of media that you're dealing with, when I put an effect on there, the weight of that effect on your hardware is much greater, which translates to you cannot use as many effects real time.
0: So where does ProRes fall into that scale uh, from that, just within that paradigm?
1: Uh, ProRes is basically the exact same, Well, call it, you know, brother uh, or twin of DNxHD. Okay. Or in DNxHR at this point. Right. Uh, they are both DCT codecs. They they are both, you know, iframe type codecs. They have complete sets of frame data per frame. Uh, they have various bit rates that, you know, the codec is has been designed to. Uh, to allow greater and greater quality or basically more data per frame that you can use to manipulate change grade you know that kind of thing so you get much more accurate grades uh the benefit though of dnxhr versus prores is that dnxhr was designed much more recently um 2010 ish to 2012 it's been optimized far more recently than prores Uh, It has more bitrate options than ProRes. Uh, It is more robust to changes than ProRes because of it. So overall, it's a much better flavor than ProRes. You've actually kind of made...
0: This this has actually made me a little happy because part of my move from Mac to PC has been how am I going to deal with ProRes? And what I've decided to do is take Robbie's approach and Robbie on our website has, um, you know, top objections of Mac users moving to a PC and kind of working through those objections to remove those objections. And one of them is the lack of ProRes uh, uh, rendering in DaVinci Resolve on a, on, a, on a PC. And his answer is, well, there's a thing called DNX and it's also cross-platform yep. and by the way, the deliverables of all your broadcast clients and all of your OTT kind of um, uh, distributors includes not only ProRes but a DNx variant. You know. Yep. And and so that's <coughs> going to be my pitch to my clients is look, on the on DNx is ProRes. It's the equivalent of ProRes. You should feel good about rendering and working if you're in your Premiere Pro uh, pipeline, Premiere Pro can handle this just fine. Uh, and, uh, and so hearing that I'll actually get better performance as I adopt that codec makes me kind of happy.
1: Oh, you'll get much better, especially in Adobe. DNX HR and MXF performed better than any other codec with Adobe. It is so okay. optimized for DNX HR. Uh, and basically that's one of the big, um, uh, reasons to use dnxhr is the fact that you can use an mxf container instead of a quicktime mov container and you're not limited to the processing uh limitations of quicktime right. and especially now with apple saying we're not going to develop quicktime for windows anymore we're basically leaving it to the partners you here's the development kit you want to develop quicktime it's up to you but we're done doing it for windows right um that's a big deal and you know it's one of those things where your broadcast uh affiliates or basically you know the broadcast servers may not yet be updated to play out dnx hr mxf yet most of them probably are and they don't know it (laughs) uh which you find quite often believe it or not (laughs) yeah uh but there's no reason uh that you can't give them for now dnx hd QuickTime and uh i'm Last I checked, they also added all the DNxHR flavors to the QuickTime um, Avid Codex LE pack. So, you know, you can stay in DNxHR space pretty much regardless of who you deliver to. There's no reason that you can't. And the bitrate options you can offer, which is basically the overall quality you can send them that's going to be sent out and absolutely thrashed by the encoder broadcaster, (laughs) Uh, the encoder box, is going to be much higher quality. And as everybody knows, the higher it starts, the better yep. quality it looks at the end once it gets thrashed by the encoder.
0: All right, so that's fascinating that our software will partially dictate our hardware choices. And so, getting back to hardware, of course, the big question that everyone has then is about the processor. And, you know, I hear Xenon and I hear i7, and I hear cores and I hear clock speed. Is there a balance that we're trying to get to? Is there a rule of thumb that I should be thinking of when I make this decision that may also be impacted by the software I'm running?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, Number one, the differences between, we'll start with this because this is a question I get all the time, Xeons versus i7, which is basically Xeons versus everything else because it includes mobile chips, desktop chips, workstation chips, which is the i7s. Uh, the only real differences between those chips are at the firmware level and they have to do with security features that are built into the Xeon chips that you will never use in any media mm-hmm. content application that you ever use. They're for mm-hmm. server apps and for you know enterprise and government level. So those particular benefits that you get on a Xeon chip are specific to markets that never approach the media content market. So what our market is looking for specifically is basically the hardware specs of the chip. And what that means is cores, threads, um, because when you have, you know, obviously the Intel chips, a lot of the chips have hyper-threading, so every core equals two threads. Then you have cache on the chip, and the cache is dictated by how many cores on the chip. The more cores you have in the chip, the more cache you have in the chip. And that's a huge performance difference, especially for applications that have to do a lot of caching or slash codecs that have to do a lot of caching, like XAVC and such. So that has a significant impact on it. Then your clock speed, think of the clock speed as strictly how fast the data gets from point A to point B.
0: Right.
1: Because that's basically what it is. And that includes the entire process through the pipeline to process the data. That's all
0: of it. Right. That's through your GPUs and everything. Yeah. Well, from it's hard...
1: through the memory, and then the memory's clock speed decides to the GPUs. But yes, like, it's, right. it, it's basically you know how fast does the data get ready and into RAM. That's right. the processor clock speed so that is essentially always important and it's especially important with GPU acceleration apps now the overall rule is you need enough cores and threads to decode the media that you're working with ideally then from there on clock speed is the most important factor your performance okay okay so your more complex codecs uh, that are much higher compression, partial frames, that kind of thing. Four to six cores is normally your sweet spot, sometimes eight. Okay. Okay, as the compression level goes up. In other words, lower compression, more cores and threads. Okay. Uh, That's the premise for that type of media. Then you have media uh, like your ProRes, DNXHR, iframe media ABC intro to some extent yeah um now you know kodak has basically their own variant flavors of what was xd cam that they've developed um that is you know processes pretty well uh, but those particular codecs optimize really pretty much cores and threads wise whatever cores and threads you have you just don't necessarily need it because the media is not super complex for example uh so you can do eight to ten cores and that's easily enough for prores you know dnx hr right then you get into resolution variances of those flavors and then the more complex codecs but also lower compression like red their particular codec will take you know cores and threads and because of the gpu acceleration element clock speed so as many cores and threads that you can give to red and you know that type of media cinema dng uh, open OpenEXR at higher you know bit rates that kind of thing uh, higher resolution and bit rates i should say for open EXR, as well as when you add in hdr right. uh, into it any type of high dynamic high dynamic range that you have to include with it as well uh, you want to give as many cores and threads that you can to that particular uh, media at the highest clock speed that you can and as you sacrifice clock speed you will sacrifice real-time performance the the final aspect of the market is your 3d market slash compositor market and those depending on which of those applications that you have uh, you want to provide as many cores and threads as possible but the caveat to that is does that compositor have gpu acceleration because if it does then you want less cores and threads to get greater clock speed if you have to and the number one rule everybody needs to reckon or think about when they go to purchase wherever they purchase from and when they start looking at xeon chips is you need a minimum clock speed on the chip to play back the media in gpu acceleration applications real time without dropping frames because it requires a certain amount of time to process the frame data and only the clock speed can shorten that time okay Gotcha. So 2.6 gigahertz is basically your basement clock speed. You do right. not want any chip that is under that clock speed. If you get that, your real-time playback will suffer. Right. So those are the general rules that you look at um, for you know, processors. And really, the Dual Xeon system ha- has really become basically a very specific workflow niche system in the media content market. You're talking 3D apps, you know, Cinema 4D, for example, if you don't get Octane. Uh, those type of apps. After Effects, before they changed the player with After Effects, After Effects is now, they're, you know, added GPU acceleration, they changed the render engine to it. It's now becoming more like Fusion. Right. Uh, Fusion obviously has had GPU acceleration built in for some time. It you know, will want the higher clock speed chips. So pretty much just your 3D apps or Dual Xeon. Uh, Everything else, really, unless you are just doing a massive amount of uh, high-resolution 8K red grading, uh, Dual Xeon just ain't not going to be the best product. And it's not going to give you the best performance for your money spent, too, because it's going to cost you at least on average three to four grand more than a single chip system
0: yeah it's funny because i looked at you know when i you looked i looked at the specs for the system you configured for me i'm like huh i'm not using like the more expensive thing i'm wondering if i'm giving up performance for that and what i'm hearing from you now is no you're not you know it's it's just better for what the type of work you do
1: and the software that you use now the dual xeon can potentially give you a greater load real time what it can what that means is it can handle a more complex timeline that you're playing back real time than a single chip system gotcha providing there's no limitations on threading with anything you're using right the effects don't limit the threading the media doesn't limit the threading you know what manipulation you're doing as far as any type of you know timeline scheduling and you know that kind of thing that you do doesn't limit the threading there are a lot of variables that can change the threading. And if it does, then that dual Xeon does not give you the greatest real time load capability. But if you have no limitations on that timeline on any of those aspects, yes, you can play back more simultaneously with the dual Xeon that you can a single chip system.
0: Gotcha. So it sounds like the dual Xeon is really kind of a very specific workflow, yes. uh, solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, I've
1: sold it for, you know, DaVinci resolve systems, uh, before and even a production studio that bought one relatively recently uh, got one. It's just you know, it's one of those I don't sell unless they're basically saying all I'm doing is red five and six K. We're using DaVinci Resolve, we're using Fusion. You know, gotcha. we're we're doing some Premiere work, but most of it's Resolve and Fusion. Uh, and then we're doing After Effects, and then you know we're we're doing a lot of uh, raw based still. You know, either sequence of still formats or you know, 3D frame generation. And then at that point, the dual Xeon
0: is what you want. Right? All right. That... So we we've got about four or five minutes left in this conversation, and I mm-hmm. want to thank you for your time. You've been very generous with it. Um, and so, two questions. Mm-hmm. The first is when it comes to our GPUs, mixing and matching Quadros and GTX in the same system. It's a question I've gotten a couple times is that a no-no or can we do that you
1: you want to avoid it simply because it's a harder setup number one the quadro cards um, which it looks like nvidia's finally realizing that people are not buying into the quadro marketing anymore right Uh, the quadro cards don't have the same hardware specs as the geforce cards um, until you get to the really expensive uh, essentially uh, geforce cards Uh, and you know the, the, it takes a really expensive Quadro card, for example, you know the the six thousand series Quadro, to give you anywhere near the specs of the Titan card, for example, and it's hmm. m- you know multiple times the price. Uh, so the only reason to even use the Quadro card is if you need 10 bit color output out of your computer display.
0: Right.
1: Right. Okay. Right, right. And most people do not. Some people right. decide they do need it. They use it for other things, or they want 10-bit color preview out of their computer display, but you got to remember, you have to calibrate it the entire way, because it's still threading through the OS and the driver, um, versus an I.O. card. Uh, The GeForce cards, obviously, are the much better processing card for the money spent. You know, you can get a 1080 card, and that's better pretty much than most of the quadros that are out there. And spec wise, hardware spec wise, and the cooling's better on him too. That's the other thing to the hmm. G cards. The cooling's actually better on the GeForce cards. You can use the GeForce cards and you know for all your GPU processing and your display output and then use an IO card for your full screen color grading output. Right. But if you have to put in a quadro with the other GeForce cards, you have to install the drivers a certain way to do it. You gotta install the quadro driver first, then you have to basically start The setup installer for the GeForce card, if the Quadro driver doesn't include the GeForce driver, sometimes NVIDIA includes them with the Quadro driver, other times they don't. Uh, But if they don't, you have to essentially install the GeForce driver long enough to extract the file, then you have to manually update your GeForce card with that driver because you can't overwrite all of the actual interface libraries that they put in for the Quadro card. It can be done. It's not recommended, and I only do it for specific people that say they have to do it for an engineering app like SolidWorks or something like that.
0: Gotcha. And what about on the Mac side? Does that change your? Does that?
1: Well, on the Mac, they don't really have the Quadro options anymore. Oh, they not don't. Unless you, not... not unless you, okay. You know, are still using a 2012, you know, okay. Mac Pro. Okay. Okay. Uh, but in that case, yeah, I mean, you can install both of them, but I wouldn't. Okay. I mean, there's just number 1 that hardware is not going to make use of it uh, right. very well and number 2 any of the new Mac hardware you're not even going to have the options to use those cards. Okay. So, and and the AMD cards are, you know, obviously already set in the Mac Pros.
0: And that wraps part two of my conversation with Eric and I don't know about you but I find this conversation utterly fascinating and at the same time, it's, it's a confusing topic. There are lots of competing interests when we configure our hardware and I'm sure you have some questions as you contemplate building out your own PC or maybe you've got some problems on an existing PC-based workstation and you'd love to hear Eric's advice, so here's the deal. For about a week or two after this podcast releases, the comments will be open and you can ask your questions. Then once we've got enough for an episode, I'm going to close down these comments and Eric and I will record part three where we tackle the questions that are burning you. So leave your comments and stay tuned for part three of my interview with Eric Bowen. For MixingLight.com, I'm Patrick Inhofer